um, a lot of people right now are optimizing for the most money, right? Like fi finance and tech is one of those things that you can sit in your bedroom and code on a, on a website for six months and then potentially get a job, like a real job from Google or Facebook or one of the big, big companies. Welcome to the All the Hats We Wear podcast. This show will teach you the time management skills you need to live your life like it's a masterpiece. You're going to learn a completely unique and innovative approach to managing your crazy busy life. I'm a musician, so you're going to learn a musician's creative and intuitive system for productivity and work-life balance. I believe the key to a fulfilling life is to manage all the roles you play, those hats you wear, and when you do this, you'll be more joyful, productive, and fulfilled in all areas of life. I'm a life coach, a productivity expert, and your host, Scott Snow. Well, for a long time, I've been wanting to have someone from the tech industry on the program. And uh, my time on TikTok, I found this person. She calls herself the rubber ducky with two E's. And I just really enjoyed all of her posts. She talks about her career in the tech industry. And she also talks about creativity and productivity and work-life balance. And I really got to ask her a lot of questions that I think a lot of you will be interested to hear. So Jessica Wang is a software engineer and she's been working in the tech industry for three years. First, she started at Microsoft and worked on the OneNote program. And now she's a front-end developer at DoorDash and she finds ways to help her restaurants get set up quickly with delivery solutions, Outside of work, she likes binging Netflix shows and staying active with sports and running and making TikToks. Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. What is your occupation, Jessica, and what do you do? Um, so I am a software engineer. I have been in the industry for, let's see, sometimes I lose track of time, but I think it's about three and a half years. Um, so I graduated college 2018 and then uh, started working at Microsoft as a software engineer. Uh, about two and a half years in, I switched to DoorDash. So I'm now a software engineer at DoorDash and I've been working there since August. I would think there's a lot of opportunities out there for what you do, right? There is. Yeah. The, the tech industry is booming right now. Like, mm. um, yeah, like everyone is coming into tech. I think part of it is because tech is uh, <laughs> is one of those things where you have a low uh, entry point in terms of education. Like you, you used to have to have like a bachelor's degree, but now you can do a free boot camp. Like it's very popular to have the YouTube videos being like free boot camp. Here's how I got 100 plus K <laughs> salary at a software engineer. Like that's a very popular type of title that you see nowadays. Um, so that combined with COVID hitting and um, remo remote work uh, coming in and a lot of people wanting to work remotely and tech kind of offering those benefits and, and flexibility for people. So I, so many of my friends um, who come from very, very different backgrounds. Um, one of them is like an ex NFL football player, collegiate, like almost NFL <laughs> football mm. players. Like I just randomly heard him talking about how he wanted to um, learn like front-end development, which is like 
I should have been shocked, but honestly, after hearing it this many times, I'm <laughs> it's so normal now. So yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to hear how like you could literally just watch on YouTube or go to, you know, boot camps and learn the skills that you need. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um almost makes me regret getting my bachelor's degree. <laughs> yeah, what was your uh, bachelor's degree in? It was in computer science. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. But I think, you know, you certainly have to have that propensity towards it because the only two classes I ever failed in life was computers and music and another computer class. So, <laughs> um, well, trust me, I, I almost failed a lot of classes in my major. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's weird because I talk to my dad about this all the time because he uh, now retired, but he was an engineer at um, PayPal and eBay. And like, we were discussing like how right now I feel like there's a boom into tech, but I think it's gonna be a bubble that's gonna pop soon. Like um, a lot of people right now are optimizing for the most money, right? Like fi finance and tech is one of those things that you can sit in your bedroom and code on a, on a website for six months and then potentially get a job, like a real job from Google or Facebook or one of the big, big companies. Um, but there with, with COVID and with a lot of these people going through remote schooling and social media, like I heard a stat where it's like 1% of the entire world now considers themselves like a, a content creator. And I think there is a movement towards kind of more of the American dream again, where you um, creativity and working on something that you're passionate about and content creation and not following the conventions and norms is gonna start popping up more and I think tech is going to be one of those things that people are going to leave very soon like in the next five to ten years hmm. that's what that's a wild hypothesis I just feel like you know so many people are joining tech um but you it's it's weird because you hear about so many people joining tech along like the same headline right so many people joining tech matched up with the great resignation right they're kind of matched together and it's like a weird paradox of like people are coming in and people are leaving um, and it's, it matches kind of how um, we're thinking about career and jobs at this time, right? Hmm. You know, the thing that's curious to me is that it seems that, you know, certainly it sounds like you've got a lot of work to do at, at DoorDash or, you know, Microsoft. But to me, it seems like once they set up the program like DoorDash, like how much more stuff can you add to it? Like it's already set up, the website's set up. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a really good question. Like, um, yes, but uh, after working there for a few months uh, and also at Microsoft where I, I did feel the same thing, I used to work on OneNote, um, if you know what that is. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. But um, there's a lot more to the product, I think, that than just the website. Um, first of all, a lot of new products are being formed. Um, like we call them verticals. Um, but like, if you think about DoorDash five years ago, it was really just local communities, like bringing, like delivering food from local restaurants. Um, a lot of it now is trying to um, make, you know, the Dasher experience better. Um, how can we deliver more than just food? Um, actually, I think like weed and alcohol <laughs> is mm. like its own division <laughs> in DoorDash. So adapting with the times, expanding, um, and they IPO'd 
I'm gonna, if this is wrong, I'm just gonna sound stupid, but I think a few years ago or recently-ish, um, so bringing on a lot more engineers to build out a lot of things that they're planning. Um, so multiple different sites, right? You need a site for the customer, like the person buying the food, you need, a, you need a website for the merchant, like the restaurants themselves, and you need a website for the drivers, so people who are dash, like actually delivering the food, and, and a lot of things go um, with each of those websites, so. Okay, yeah. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, <laughs> neither did I until I, <laughs> until I got hired, so. Right. What's your suggestion for kids? Like I've got 13-year-old um, twin boys. How, do, how could kids easily get involved with coding? Um, like, I feel like nowadays there are so many different resources. Um, like, uh, there, I mean, go, like Google, I think released like an entire free uh, coding course that you can take. Um, and the, if you want an official one, you can do Google's, but, um, you know, if you just want to go on YouTube and, uh, they do projects, right? There are a lot of content creators now that teach you, Hey, how to code your own chat bot from scratch. Um, or if you want to do like stupider things, stupider, quote unquote, like you can, you can build like, uh, you know, like even like in Fortnite or Minecraft, they do like these little coding projects. I think Doja Cat. Uh, released like a way that you can code in her music video that went that went viral a few months ago um so uh, ev the world is slowly like everyone is learning how to code a little bit um so I think it's it would be very easy for you <laughs> I actually taught I don't know where you are I don't know if you're in the bay area or Massachusetts you're in Massachusetts so not the bay area mm -hmm. but um I used to teach a camp in the bay area where parents would send their like six-year-old kids to coding camp where I taught them like Python and C++, which is insane because they were six years old. Um, mm. So it's it's a thing for, for kids to learn early. I think it's like the new, like becoming a doctor, becoming a lawyer, right? Like people want their kids to become an engineer because they know it's a good future for them. Right. So, What's the like, beginning level? You know, is there a base level program to use? Uh, I, I started with Python or even before that, there's a thing called scratch, which I don't know is a thing anymore, but it's like their logo is like this little cat and you, you drag little building blocks to build like lines of code. So it's like much more for kids. Um, okay. but there must be some other version of it now. I'm sure like I'm old, <laughs> yeah. like, you know. Um, languages like different languages come and go. I feel like, you know, you talk, you, I talk to my coworkers and they're like talking about like Fortran and a bunch of other old languages that no one uses anymore. So, um, I would say Python is the easiest to start with, and it's more about learning the concepts behind coding more so than language specific things. Okay. Yeah. I've got one son who only really cares about basketball and Steph Curry. And yeah. the other one, you know, is into uh, like robotics class and that sort of thing. So, okay. Yeah. Good. Now, what what ha what has to happen for you to be at your most creative? Like I'm thinking, you know, as a coder, you know, are, are there times where you could be innovative and creative given that you have to fit into this context of what they want you to do? Yeah, that that is a good question. Um, I say like in work itself, um, I do find it a little bit difficult to be creative. Um, 
mostly because sometimes I don't think I'm a naturally like a very good coder. So a lot of the time I'm, I'm really just trying to keep my head above water. <laughs> yeah. I think I have worked with people who were incredibly creative, like um, the ways in which they think about solutions for problems. I'm not saying so like for me, like it's almost like, hey, here's a button, code it. No creative, no creativity involved there. Right. But if it's thinking about a solution like how can we get more customers onto our product? If you start with like a large level question, right, that you can either um, create like a funnel for metrics for marketing, right? Like work with marketing, get the data in for. Mm, so like an example is like YouTube used to have used YouTube at a certain point was seeing a drop off in a lot of their users. And I think there were certain growth engineers that started tracking instead of tracking the number of videos watched, they started tracking the length, like the number of hours of videos that were being watched. So figuring out which questions to answer um, allowed them to actually boost their videos more. They were trying to figure out ways to boost the number of hours, like the time period of videos being watched. Right. And I think that requires a little bit of creativity because it's not something that somebody tells you, you have to kind of come up with that solution yourself and then implement it. Um, and, and implementation itself requires a lot of creativity. Um, and also like uh, a lot of experience as well, like knowing what different things you need to use as an engineer. Um, but I also think like outside of that, social media, TikTok, YouTube, um, becoming a developer advocate or, or, or building out your network in a, in a more social way is also a form of creativity. So something that I do, yeah. You've been very successful with building like a tribe for your TikTok and your Instagram. So what's the secret to um, building, you know, a lot of followers? What do you have? 30,000 followers on TikTok? Um, almost. Hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I have to put myself down because <laughs> it's a personality type for me. You're doing um, something right there. <laughs> I think um, part of it, I think, was being early to the game. Um, nowadays, you see, I, I every like five videos I scroll through, um, like four of them are like the stupidest things, you know, like random things. And then I'll see one that's like, I'm a PM at, at Meta or I'm a, a software engineer at, at Google. Um, and more and more people are joining the tech world and more and more people are joining the social media world. Um, but I started a year ago, almost a year ago, which I think is considered earlier to the game. Like there were less people there competing for that spot. Um, so that was one reason. Um, the other one people have told me was storytelling. Um, they told me I was very good at storytelling, uh, which, yeah, I guess at the time that I started it, I was really disliking my job. Um, I had had a, a small breakdown uh, actually about a year ago, almost about a year ago. Um, and I decided I needed to switch my job and figure out an outlet to express that, to like work through it. Um, and it wasn't enough that I was talking to my own friends because they became kind of like a sounding board. I don't know, like I had talked to them enough that either they were telling me what I wanted to hear, or I just knew what they were going to say. Um, and so I kind of just turned to social media. I figured, either no one's going to watch it and that's great because then I'll embarrass myself and no one will see it like nothing lost <laughs> right 
or people might watch it and then maybe I'll get people who give me advice for free and they're a stranger that on the internet. Um, and so I just started saying what I thought, like uh, in the shower when I was driving, I always had these like thoughts, like I was thinking through things and I would just kind of write it down uh, on, on a piece of paper and then I would just read it out on the video. And that is what became my TikToks and the format of it. Hmm. Yeah. And I love how you said that, you know, you weren't afraid of being vulnerable and also the skills that you learn from presenting for being on TikTok and having to do those videos every day that you present better at work, right? Yes, actually, yes, yes, I do. Um, I still have a lot of um, problems presenting, but um, this process of thinking out my thoughts uh, by writing it out and then being able to speak it out after writing it out, like from brain to Google doc, to speaking on camera, like that process seems pretty like self-explanatory, but it took a lot of practice to get it feeling organic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always find that I have to like cut stuff. Like I'm just blabbing, you know, giving too much background. And then I go, what? Right, just forget that and start with right on it, you know? Yeah. Part of it, I think, is creating your brand. Like um, some people, if you look at TikTok, right? Some people have super polished videos. You know that they thought of everything they need to say and they're reading it out. Um, and some people are just blabbing on, on the internet. I don't know if you watch like Pepperoni Muffin, <laughs> but she's like a, a TikToker that went viral. And she, she literally treats her page like a diary. She will say everything and anything that comes to her mind, no cuts in her video, right? And it, it's neither of them are wrong or right. Both of them will get you followers, but it's staying consistent to that brand and finding the brand that uh, resonates with you, that you can um, execute, right? That's genuine, right. so. It's kind of like what Gary Vee says, where he recommends that you document more than create content. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Gary Vee, actually, I really like him mm. a lot. Um, I know people, actually a lot of people I know don't like him, um, but uh, well, I like swearing a lot. So that's one thing. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and um, I, I think he really inspired me as a creator. So, yeah. Okay. Now, like you were saying that you, as an individual person that's working, you know, when remote working, that you're building your brand with TikTok, you know, even so that people get to know what you're good at. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, TikTok, TikTok has been like one of the biggest things for me in the past year. Like I'm trying to like just think of through all the opportunities that were presented to me. The first thing is my professional network, just my professional network. Um, I people at Microsoft because I started it back when I worked at Microsoft, people at Microsoft internally on teams would reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I saw you on TikTok and they were working in different you know, like VS Code, uh, Minecraft, uh, Xbox, like just different things. And I just got so much advice from them, like things that I would never have the guts to reach out randomly to somebody on Xbox and talk to them about their work. But organically, they found me and, and wanted to give me advice. So that was the first thing. Uh, even job recruiters, like so many, my inbox was flooded with people trying to recruit me because I was talking about how I didn't want to work at Microsoft anymore. So being able to talk to startups um, and understanding just what opportunities out there, you know, for me. Um, so that was one thing. 
Um, the second thing is like getting to talk with uh, uh, content creators. Um, so like the, the meld between like content creation and tech or maybe even like a podcast like this, right? Where it's like creativity um, and kind of learning from people in that space because it's very different than just flat software engineering, right? Um, and, uh, you know, part of it was me actually realizing that this could be something I could monetize in the future. Um, right now, I'm not making any money off of this, nor do I feel the need to because I have a nine to five and I, I, I enjoy it for the most part. Um, but one thing is, you know, realizing that if I could monetize this, you know, would I want to quit my job at some point <laughs> and trying to figure out where am I going to be the happiest in the future? Um, mm. I feel like I diverted from your question a little bit at the end there, but hopefully. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> It's funny because we we forget these numbers, you know, if it's even if it's 28,000 people that are following you that, you know, that's that's a whole, you know, that's the Seattle Supersonics game, you know, like that's a pro sports game that all those people like you just forget, like you, you see it in, you know, in your um, TikTok, but you're like, OK, well, that's a number, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's that's that's people when they're at their most comfortable too. they're, you know, sitting on their bed under a blanket and chilling out and like they're open and you know like they're it's not like you're trying to get someone's ear while they're running down the hall you know at the at work yeah it's a weird amount of power <laughs> right i love your uh your name rubber ducky can you tell us about the importance of a designer in terms of uh, you know talking to an inanimate object i love that idea oh my gosh yes so I used to, um, it was, it was it's like the concept that everyone in CS knows. I just, the idea of a rubber duck and it's like the infamous story that you use, you walk into your first day of computer science and your teacher's like, yeah, have you ever heard of the rubber duck thing? And everyone's like, wow, I never heard of that before. That's so cool. Um, sorry, I should give some context in case. So the concept is that you have a rubber duck on your desk and when you're thinking through coding, challenges it helps to talk to that rubber duck as if they're a person to help you think through um whatever you're working on um i used to think it was really stupid um <laughs> but then i had a coworker at microsoft and i she was my desk mate and every day i would walk into work and i would hear her mutter like mutter to herself as she was working and i used to hate it like i would put in my earbuds be like i wish you would shut up i wish you would shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and but when i started working from home i had so much trouble focusing because i i have like adhd and i just have so much like sometimes i just have so much trouble like focusing on work and i started talking um, i used to call my friend and just he would be on the phone and not listening to me, but I would just call him and then just talk like through problems and stuff. Uh, but then he he got a job, so then he was busy. <laughs> so yeah. I started just talking to myself, and I it helped me so much, like really just talking to myself, um, because there's something about slowing down your brain to match, like slowing down your thoughts to match the cadence of your words, that helps you um not disregard things as quickly as you would if you were thinking in your mind that makes sense mm, yeah that makes a lot of sense you're reminding me of one of my favorite of all of your tiktok videos when you call your buddy on uh, your laptop and ask for a raise <laughs> <laughs> pretend that he's your boss <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> that was that's the friend I was talking about. Okay, he, yeah. He's he's my closest friend from high school. That's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you said you said, well, I th actually I think I should be making more than you. And and he's like, well, you don't have to be rude. <laughs> that's his that's his brand of humor. Yeah. <laughs> One day I want to start a podcast with him, but <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a good partner for you. Yeah. Well, I think, and that's like one of those examples of a, a post that maybe you might be a little embarrassed or that was a little more vulnerable for you, but that really might be people's favorite videos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you never know what does well. And um, yeah, you can only control what I guess you enjoy putting out there. So now, um, you know, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, but also some of them might be considering remote work and you know, and you're talking about working for a big tech company. And I, I remember you mentioned, you know, having opportunities as perhaps a new employee of a big company of you know, like corporate housework, you know, like organizing morale events and team retrospectives or doing the meeting notes or being the scrum master. So can you tell a little about that? And would that possibly be an angle for someone that's trying to get kind of a, their foot in the door with a big company? For them to say that they would volunteer to do some of that work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So when I when I joined Microsoft, um, I did a lot of that stuff. So, you know, um, as a new engineer, sometimes it was hard to find work for myself, like related to engineering. Um, and you know, you do get uh, graded, scored. What's the thing? Promotions, right? Like, based on potential other contributions to the company, right? So I started looking for those things, uh, retrospectives, right? Holding meetings, um, morale events, right? Like we did, uh, uh, like lunches and stuff. And I think it was helpful for me to understand like different facets of being an employee. Um, at, a, at a large company and kind of what's expected of you. Um, but also it's, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. Like you could also be considered, uh, and this is maybe something that if you're, you're a woman or something, this could be slightly more skewed that way where, um, what's the word? It's, it's a, there's a phrase for it. And I went to a seminar about it. I totally forgot what the phrase is, but it's, it's, oh, was it housekeeping? You said that, right? Housekeeping. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry, where, um, yeah, like, sometimes uh, people think that the woman is the person who should be doing those things. So when right. you volunteer for them, for maybe other reasons, uh, you might be thought of that person forever. Um, actually, I'm grappling with that right now at my current job, DoorDash, where I do want to find ways to contribute to the team. But um, right now, my manager is looking for somebody to lead our uh, Friday gaming sessions and it's almost weird because I would like to step up and do it but I also don't want to be seen as the person who is fun like who whose responsibility it is to like organize uh, fun things for people right, right. It, it might take away from the seriousness of your engineering work right. um, so yeah it's actually something I'm deciding on right now if I want to I want to start doing that hmm. so yeah. yeah it's kind of a uh a uh, double-edged sword, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I remember you talking about um, like mental health apps and how they're lacking a lot in terms of uh, what, you know, tech um, workers need. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about mental health apps. I think um, for any app that, or anything where you need to change your habit, 
Um, so like whether it's like uh, taking care of your mental health or eating better, there are definitely a lot of apps that claim to do that for you. Um, but I have personally never actually like reaped any reward from them. Actually, I just got like, I even signed, I saw this ad for Weight Watchers the other day um, on TV and I've been trying to watch my diet more this year. So I signed up for it and then I didn't use it for like two weeks. So I tried to cancel it and they charged me a $70 early cancellation fee. So I, <laughs> I was very angry about that. Um, and I just have this like feeling that every app I've ever tried to like change a habit, I just can't bring myself to use it. I feel like almost writing on paper or a notepad or something and just documenting it myself or almost taking control of it myself has been more helpful than any app. I, I don't know. Uh, and it, I'm sure it's different for other people. I mean, there's probably reasons why these apps are, some of these apps are successful. I mean, Weight Watchers is pretty successful, um, but yeah. Um, I just, I can't, I can't justify spending money on them, you know, so. And it's interesting coming from a tech person too, that you want that sensory, you know, writing on your own and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember once you mentioned uh, like a personal flywheel and that reminded me of the um, Jim Collins business book, Good to Great, where he talks about, about a um, flywheel where basically, uh, you know, it's kind of like your strength and your gift and that you apply to your performance and then you get the results and it just sort of exponentially grows what was your take on the personal flywheel um i think it's 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 a really good thing to have but hard to set up um like this tiktok thing that i do um is like half of a personal flywheel like i've reaped some rewards from it uh the network like posting a TikTok video, having people in tech see it and reach out to you and being able to even potentially get a new job from it or, you know, offers for a job. That's a flywheel. Um, I know people with slightly bigger versions of that where, you know, they post a TikTok and they can monetize that TikTok or that TikTok turns into requests for a YouTube video or they sell like data spreadsheets or they sell their resume of how they got into Google. And that is a bigger flywheel because it, it, there's more that goes into it, but it all feeds into each other. Oh. Um, and I think like it would be great. I think that's one of my New Year's resolutions like for this year to kind of be able to start um, posting across multiple different mediums like Instagram and YouTube and each video is kind of in that flywheel right if you post on YouTube you get more followers on YouTube that brings them to TikTok or vice versa right that in itself is a flywheel um, and so I think it's it's good for everyone to have but it's really hard to get started like you need traction and you need a community right so, okay yeah. Yeah, and I think that's how Jim Collins described it too. Like the beginning, it's going very slow, but then it starts to get that traction and now you're speeding along. Yeah, you're flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you also uh, talked a few, you know, a bunch of um, posts that you talked about passions and hobbies and, you know, like, do you have to be good at something for it to be a passion? And how do you know you're passionate about something if, or if, if it's just a hobby? So can you tell us a little bit about your struggle with that or your, your experience with that? You, you weren't kidding when you watched all, when you said you watched yeah. all my kids. This is like, I know it. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I think that was, I was thinking that because for a long time, um, I remember asking my parents, like, um, when I was young, like, what do you want for my life, right? And they, they just said, we want you to be happy. And I was like, oh, man, that's so easy. I could do that easy. And then, of course, when you grow up, you're like, what the F is happiness? Right? Like, yeah. What is that? And that's a lot of what I've been thinking with my career, which I'm sure a lot of people think about, where for me, the longest time was getting a job at a big, big tech company was happiness. And then I was happy for like a year or two. And now I'm thinking, how do I know if I really love tech? If I, if I haven't, like to me, I, it doesn't make sense if I can't compare, if I wasn't, if I don't work as a doctor and I don't work as a musician and I don't work as a uh, content creator for like at least a year each and then compare it against being a software engineer, how can I claim that I love software engineering? I have friends who tell me they love software engineering and I don't believe them because I'm just like, how, how do you know that? Like, how would you know that? Um, yeah. And like, they say they're passionate about it. And I just don't, I ask them to define what being passionate about something is. And there's never, I just feel like I'm not getting clear answer from them. Right. And so part of it is like, like, I don't think I'm a great software engineer, to be honest. Um, I think I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. Software engineer. I've met people who I actually feel like their brains were wired to be a software engineer. It, everything makes sense to them and right. I'm not like that and I know that so in that sense like um how do I know if I'm passionate as a, a software engineer um I love filming but I'm not good at filming like should I say I'm passionate about filming if I'm not good at it or should I become good at it before I can say it's a passion uh, these are all questions I'm having and it's it's part of the, me trying to think of what I want to do in the next five ten years so Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just a lot of questions. Yeah. You're asking a lot of big questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like everyone is, is kind of going through that right now. Yeah. Just, yeah. I've always felt that, you know, it really wasn't until I started to want to create my own book and my own business and my own system that I really started to clue into that, having a passion, because in a way it seems for me, I know that I have a passion and a purpose when when everything I do is kind of filters through that, like this idea of all the hats we wear. When I read the paper, I just think about that. Like this is an article about the mayor of Boston and how she plans her day. And that I just see that through a filter of what I'm trying to do. And for me, that that seems to fit well with being, you know, my purpose and passion. But I think if I was working for another company, it would be harder to see beyond what I was doing. And I don't I don't think that would be very passionate for me but maybe yeah. it's different for everyone's experience you know yeah I I some sometimes something that I do um is pretend like I'm talking to a, a really young kid actually I have to pretend to do that maybe you don't have to pretend to do that because you have kids <laughs> I want to um, get away from them <laughs> <laughs> but like uh you know how that thing that kids do when they're like but why, but why, right? Like mm. the, 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 the sky is blue, but why is it blue, right? Um, right? And so like, if I went down that kind of line of thinking is like, I wanna be happy. How do I be happy? By doing something I'm passionate about. Is the current thing that you're doing something you're passionate about? Don't think so. What are you passionate about? Potentially content creation and filming. Okay, so why don't you just do that? I don't know. Like if that's what's gonna make you happy, why don't you just quit right now? 
Like, do you think you could be successful if you spent five years doing that? Yeah, I do. So why not just do it? Like it's sometimes I, I pretend I'm talking to a little kid and the way that I am living my life now doesn't actually make sense if we were just to follow that logic. So a lot of it is working through your own fears and what's preventing you from, from doing things. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Well said. Well, I've just got a couple of questions left here. Besides your occupation, what are some of the other hats that you wear? Uh, football fan mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and player, football fan and player. Uh, I love sports. Like, I think that's my big thing. Uh, so I play a lot of tennis frisbee softball badminton uh, flag football basketball um really anything else that can be done uh except for swimming i would probably drown if i tried swimming (laughs) um (laughs) uh, um yeah content creation is another one uh like filming content creation and um yeah and big tv addict person like okay yeah, watch a lot of TV. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, as a Patriots fan, I'm wondering what happened with the uh, Seattle at that Super Yeah. Bowl? You <laughs> had it in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So close. I'm surprised that uh, Pete Carroll's still there, actually, after that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see what happens with Russell and Pete like in the next year and like every year I feel like there's rumors that Russell's gonna leave the Seahawks and and there's like always these like oh like they had beef and they they're fighting at each other now um but yeah I'm curious they I'm curious what they're gonna switch up for the next year but it's always fun to to see I think this year I started learning a lot more about like actual defensive and uh, offensive strategy Um, so that's been really fun to like actually watch the games instead of watching as a fan kind of looking at the Seahawks as a whole and being like what are their strengths like actually like strategically you know so that's been interesting no I was that was one of the things I was most fascinated with with your TikTok videos was you know your uh, football schematics and schemes and you know plays and not because I guess just because like if you're a software engineer, like I wonder like how does that relate or like what's the connection there or like that's so strange to me, you know, for you to have those two things going on at the same time, you know, it's fascinating. Yeah, I think um, relating back to what I said about more and more people joining the tech industry, I think before there's a stereotype of software engineers being like, you know, computers, computers, you know, like sweatshirts and sweatpants and don't exercise like you know and smell bad I don't, I don't know what the stereotype is you know like math right yeah. um and now with more people joining tech uh, it's insane like the diversity that like I remember there was a welcome email for an engineer that just joined and she, and she was like um like an extra in like Hamilton on Broadway or something I forget what it was um and they're just like insane stories from engineers uh, who honestly I feel like engineering is just the thing that pays the bills um, but they have they are whole like 100% people outside of that so yeah. um, to me it's actually not as weird uh, you know football and software engineering you just I'm a full human being outside of you know coding so yeah, yeah. that's great no I just I guess I wondered like well maybe that could be like a new 
approach to programming, you know, like or coding of like this, you know, with these routes and, you know, the different, maybe that would be some kind of innovation or breakthrough or a different way of thinking at it, you know? You ever watch uh, Moneyball? Oh, with Brad Pitt? Yep. Yeah. Yes, I have seen that. The, the idea of kind of like mathematizing sports. It's always yep. interesting. Yeah. yeah, right. Not that this guy is a, is a rundown, you know, old experienced guy, but he has some other um, data like is valuable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so where can people go to follow you and, and learn more about what you do on social? Um, at the rubber ducky with two E's on TikTok. That's the main one. So you can go there and, and uh, I don't know, watch my videos if you want to. Mm, yeah, they're very entertaining. <laughs> very good. Thank you. <laughs> so you haven't got too much into the other social media. Like you said a little bit with LinkedIn, but it's you haven't really focused on that, right? Yeah, I'm a bad content creator. Part of it is just laziness. <laughs> what do you think it is about TikTok? Because I found the same way, like with all these, you know, LinkedIn, everything, I never get any response from LinkedIn. And with my blog, I get limited. But with TikTok, you get people responding and it's just like there's energy there, you know? TikTok is, a, is about virality. Like their entire algorithm is, is built to optimize virality. And I think Gary Vee talks about this in one of his videos. Yep. Um, but I, I was talking with uh, another engineer um, from uh, Microsoft, Scott Hanselman, who's been in the scene for a while. He has hundred k, a lot, lot of subscribers on YouTube, um, and, and he he did TikTok for a while. But he said that actually the uh, what's it called? Just the lack of like in YouTube, you know that if you put the work in, you get the work out. Like if you make a great video, you will get X amount of subscribers usually. Whereas for TikTok, you can get, um, you know, 50 million or sorry, not 50 million, like 50,000 views on one video and two views on another video. It's like yeah. too random, right? But for small content creators like me, people who are just breaking into the scene, I think TikTok is the best way to go. Because if you get one viral video, that's how you get like 5,000 subscribers. I'm not even, that's not an exaggeration. Like I think my first uh, viral, like popular video, I mean, I got like 4,000 followers. Mm. So yeah. It's, yeah. And that, that's not possible on any other app. Right. Well, it's funny. My son has a couple of TikTok accounts and he was viral on one of them. He got like 400,000 views on something where that's like a mini hoop, you know, where he's got the, you know, the hoop that goes on the, the door jam and he just oh, yeah. jumps on a, a, a treadmill, a trampoline and then does a dunk and he had 400,000. <laughs> that's amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, that's the power of TikTok. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm curious that you haven't done much with Instagram. Because I think similarly with reels, I've found you put up a 30 second reel and sometimes you'll get 5,000 views or, you know, 12, 1200 views for a reel. Yeah. That's me literally just being too lazy to take the video I just made and put it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've heard, yeah. I've heard that it's not good to have the, uh, the logo that, you know, the time, the logo stamp of TikTok and have it on Instagram. Yeah, but I, I edit all my videos outside of TikTok. So I, I literally could do that. Yeah. Five seconds extra. Yeah. It's, I'm just really stupid. <laughs> no <other laughs> what program do you use for video editing? It's, a, it's something called Splice. Um, you do have to pay like a couple dollars subscription per month or you buy the yearly one for a package. Um, 
but it's it's basically like iMovie on your phone and it is I love it I love it so much yeah and you can edit like uh vertically not not the landscape yeah. right it even gives you options for like TikTok Instagram uh YouTube and a bunch of other different social media platforms it, it automatically crops them to that dimension based on what you choose so it's it's meant for content creators who want to cross post across different platforms do you edit on your phone or your computer phone yeah hmm, okay good well my final question uh, jessica and this has been a great pleasure what's one action our listeners can take to be more fulfilled oh <laughs> that's such a hard question how would you answer that <laughs> well right after you i i actually i actually this is so biased but I actually think it's um, posting on social media, like becoming a content creator. And I, I feel like that's so biased because like some people might not want to do that. But I, I really honestly think that has been the biggest change for me in the past um, past year uh, because you just get access to so many people outside of who you would normally talk to. Um, and it just opens up like a whole world to you. Like the whole, the internet, uh, internet is kind of scary and you know I was raised by pretty strict parents so I was very 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 afraid of doing it like making TikToks because people can be mean and your information is out there your face is out there you know your friends can make fun of you and all of that stuff um, but for me it has been one of the most rewarding fulfilling things like being on this podcast um, talking to different people um, getting advice from very random people uh, has has helped me grow and learn the most that I have in, in a year. So, yeah. Awesome. That was an amazing answer. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, Jessica, I think my uh, viewers and listeners are really going to get a lot out of this interview. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. This is really fun. Visit allthehatswewear.com for more information on how we can help you and your team be more productive and have better work-life balance. We offer coaching, trainings, and workshops that will empower you to be more joyful, productive, and fulfilled in all areas of life. Visit allthehatswewear.com.